0: What's up, everybody? Got another guest this week on the Drag Zine podcast. One of the baddest dudes to bracket race in the world, Jeff Verdi. What's going on, Jeff?
1: Hey, man. How you doing?
0: Doing good. Doing good. Uh, thanks for joining us. You've uh, you've been a busy man the, early this year so far, right? Yeah,
1: you know, did a lot of work on the car with the winter, but uh, didn't get a chance to test anything. And we decided to drive all the way out to Vegas and and you know, first couple of days was a little sketchy getting it figured out but once we got it figured out it worked out pretty good on the last day so you know can't complain
0: I love that I I love that that you say we did a bunch of updates didn't test drove to Vegas yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I
1: mean pretty confident in what we put on the car but I never had anything like other than stock stuff on the front end so we put coal overs on it and control arms on it and really it was all about the front end travel that that was holding us up. And once we got that figured out, it was, it was good to go. So, but uh, yeah, around here was between weather and work. I mean, just couldn't get out there and test. So we were like, well, let's just, you know, we'll figure it out. So
0: got to love the mindset of drag racers because I've been a part of adventures like that before you make wholesale changes. Don't test. You're like, you know what, let's just go, let's just go. And let's race and let's see how it goes.
1: Yeah. All season has been rough, of course, on a lot of people and uh, pretty rough in our neck of the woods was different things going on with the COVID stuff and and work, and and, uh, just wanted to get away. You know, it's like, you know, they moved it up earlier in the year and by three or four weeks, and it was like, man, you know, we were not going to be able to test anything that we did. So, you know, we didn't really have a choice if we wanted to go, and I had planned on going since, you know, well, we didn't get to go last year because of COVID. So, you know, Vegas, it's on, it's on, you know, and that's where the race is, so we went on
0: it's always, it's always fun that, you know, you look at drag racing. It really is the the ultimate way to escape reality as a hobby. Because when you go to the track for me personally, everything else melts away. I don't, you know, nothing else really goes to my mind except what you're there and you're there to have fun.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. And Vegas, I mean, Hey, you can do all kinds of stuff. We didn't really go around anywhere. I always tell myself I'm gonna go check out a bunch of stuff. We never do. We sit around the track, but, you know, five hours or four hours in between runs, you know, you're just chilling out talking about the car stuff or, you know, seeing people you haven't seen in a year or two. And so it's, it's a good time. You know, definitely space for a few seconds or minutes at a time. So the rest of the time you're just hanging out and talking and telling stories and stuff. So it's pretty cool.
0: It's always fun for me on the media side of things. Cause people like, man, you get to travel all over. And I'm like, you got to understand one most of these events these tracks they say they're in a big city but that's just to kind of like let people know the general area they're usually not in that area and you're usually at the track for hours on end and by the time you're done racing you're so tired you don't want to do anything else
1: yeah yeah no it's pretty much the same thing every night you get back to the hotel and the good thing is our hotel had restaurants in it and a casino in it so you really don't have to go anywhere you just you know, and, and the track, I mean, the hotel i stay at is in between the track and downtown in Vegas. So it's a perfect place to, you know, you don't have to drive in maybe 10 minutes and you're back at the hotel and, you know, go to it's, uh, It's a good time out there, no doubt.
0: You know, let's talk about the spring fling for a minute before we start jumping into these questions. You went in there with, you know, two cars on an open trailer, driving across the country, untested, What's it like, you know, typically going to into one of these big, big events like this, like this, like like this year's spring fling?
1: Um, I mean, I think about these races like while I'm cutting grass, while I'm you know working at the shop, I'm I, I'm playing the race out of my mind with, you know, from five cars left on, you know, who's left in, who's doing this, what we're talking about, and so you kind of enjoy that. I enjoy that part of it, just getting hyped up for it and thinking about it all. And then, of course, my buddy Rocky, he actually did all the work on my car with winter just for, for me to take his car to Vegas. He's like, Look, I know you want to put the control arms on it, put new rearing stuff in it, uh, fix a bunch of other stuff. And I really didn't have time to do it. And he said, I know you don't have time to do it. He said, I'll do all that for you if you just take my car to Vegas. So we took his duster, you know, to Vegas. And uh, you know, he didn't have the week he wanted to have, but he did enjoy the experience and it was cool. And you know, talking about it all the way out there, you know, he'd never been on a trip like that where I've that was my fifth time going. So it was, uh, I'm kind of used to the ride, you know, and it doesn't really bother me. And it, it, it didn't seem to bother him too much. We were talking racing stuff, and, you know, it's kind of cool to just, you know, time goes by pretty fast when you're just shooting the bull riding down a highway for hours and hours. But, uh, you know, money wise, I was very fortunate to lay down a 3,000 package at Bristol last year that gave me a free entry to the million in Vegas. So I didn't have to pay the two grand to, to run the a million you know this year so my tab wasn't very high and i didn't have to buy back any day which was good so money wise it was it was pretty decent and then i ended up doing good on that saturday night you know getting runner up so um made the trip worth it you know and it but yeah it's money wise the fling events when you pretty much i've said it before if you if you plan on going to one this is pretty cool that they did away with the pre-entry and the um uh, app on the car count this year so you know, now's the time to experience it. If you want to, you know, anybody that hadn't been able to do it because it's like, if you're a decent racer, you lay down a good light, you'll get a weather station sometimes, or if you, you know, on a time run, you know, you just, they'll, they'll say the next 20 sets, the best light gets a transmission case, you know, and it's like, wow, you might want a transmission case and that'll make up for the whole week and the money you spend, you know, whatever. So it's pretty neat, the prizes they give away. And and I always look at that as, as being a good racer or, or doing well, you'll probably come away with something, whether it's a best losing package award, like a driving suit or a converter or slicks or something. And uh, so they make it really, really fun, you know, to, to when you do race, if you race good and just get beat, you might win something anyway. So,
0: you know. So it's like a race with a game show wrapped into it.
1: Oh, yeah, it's constant, you know, and, and, you, and what makes you mad is when they, <laughs> I'll, put, I'll put like a 001 light up and don't get anything. And then the very next couple cars, they go, okay, the next, 001 gets this and i'm like oh man i just had one you know five minutes ago, but i didn't get that you know but you just gotta wait and catch it at the right time you know because i've won a weather station before by having a perfect light actually the first year i went to vegas I, you go out there on your one time and you hit a perfect light just you know wow and then they tell you oh man you want a weather station it's like well oh, that's pretty cool and uh so yeah it's always prizes just non-stop they'll pull open the prize vault they call it and just start giving away stuff especially towards the end of the week when they still got stuff left over they'll like if they have a rain you know if something gets rained out one day they'll double it all up the next day so they're just giving prizes away like crazy so it's it's really well cool they do it
0: well jeff you know bracket racing is the backbone of sportsman drag racing i've said this before that it makes the wheels on the bus go round and round some guys love it some guys despise it what makes you want to do it versus any other type of drag racing?
1: Well, I guess it's, you know, that's the only racing I've really done. You know, when I was 1989, I started racing, um, uh, you know, trophy class. And it was the only thing we really had was, you know, you dial them in and go. And, and, you know, I like, I'd love to race super stock one day. I always talk about that because that's kind of like a bracket class, but it's, you know, pretty cool cars. And, and the way that either stock or super stock to me is, is what I'd like to run other than if I didn't do just bracket racing, but it, um, uh, you know, when you get into this stuff, it's it's all about how, you know, you don't have a whole lot of money to, to build a car or, or, you know, you got help and it takes you a couple of years to build one. And, you know, it's, it's really the only racing we had to do. You now index racing has come a long way and now the grudge racing stuff. But the grudge racing stuff is just, you know, that's that's some fast stuff out there. And, and, you know, a lot of, you know, all kinds of stuff like that that I'm just not into. So it uh, never really interested me to try to go, you know, because I'm never going to be fast as any of them guys. I mean, you know, not just because I run a Pontiac, but you know, that's <laughs> I'm not putting nitrous on it. And I'm I like where I'm at in 580 range. You know, 570 range. You know, if uh, that's about as fast as I want to go anyway with with my dual car. So um, you know, it's I've gotten carried away before and and spent a bunch of money on dragsters and 40 foot gooseneck trailer and all that stuff. And and it was it was it was cool, but you know. I didn't win any more than I do with, with my stuff here. And it seemed like it was a lot more work. So I just, you know, I'd rather have the open trailer and, and, you know, riding out to Vegas. I mean, stop every couple hundred miles. And I, every time you go to a gas station, somebody's looking at the cars. I mean, kids don't even know what these cars are. You know, they'd look at them like, man, what is that? You know, or, you know, looking inside, looking at underneath the bottom of them, you know, the back of where the rear is and stuff seeing the big tires, you know, and you see all the white boxes going down the road nobody knows what's in them, you know, there are dragsters in them or there's who knows what, but nobody can see them, you know, but I like the open trailer because people can see all the cool looking cars. I mean, you don't hardly ever see anybody driving their classics anymore or any cool cars, old stuff. So, you know, I like, you know, that stuff because it's, you know, it's, it's history really, but it's, you know, 50 year old stuff that still looks cool. And, you know, the young guys see it now that are 20 years old or under and just can't believe they just, don't even know what it is, you know, but, uh, it's pretty neat. So yeah, I like, I mean, bracket racing to me is something I hope I don't have ever give up you know, anytime soon, but, uh, that's all I've done. And I really don't, you know, think about really racing anything else other than that, you know?
0: You know, it's interesting. A lot of guys don't have that desire to go a lot faster because it with speed and horsepower comes problems, that's the best way to describe it. If you like working on stuff, heads up rations for you.
1: Right. Yeah. Jerry, Jerry loan my engine, man. He, he tells me all the time because I talk about stepping my stuff up a little bit, you know, putting a little more compression in it or whatever. And he's just like, well, do you want to run every Saturday or do you just want to run this Saturday? Because if you want to run every Saturday, then just keep it where it is. You know, 13 and a half to one compression, you know, just, you know, I run, I got a thousand runs on the motor. I just took out of my car and, and the one I just put in there, it's got like 150 runs on it now, you know, so that, that's good to go for a while. And rushing it up, keep it the same. You know, we run a little bit of aggressive stuff for what traditional Pontiac stuff is or, or you know, whatever. It does probably 50, 900 horsepower, but it uh, it lasts, you know, we, we build it to last and we don't want to work on it. You know, we don't like taking the hood off of the track. Just leave it on. You know, when you leave home, it should be right. You know, and hopefully you don't have to do nothing when you get there. It uh, you know, tends to be that way, you know, most of the time. So yeah, we don't want to bump it up too much. I mean, then you end up like I said, with problems I you know, head gaskets or whatever, you know. So yeah, I don't don't want to be fooling with that stuff. Especially with the fees like nowadays.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah no doubt. Got gotta save your money and put it where it needs to be, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. You're gonna pay that kind of money for to go racing. You really don't want any kind of issue with head gaskets or or anything with your call really so you, we call it buying insurance when you put the heavier duty stuff in even though it costs a little more you're like okay well this input shaft is 200 well this one's 400 i'm gonna get the 400 one because i've broken one you know 20 years ago and it's like, like well i don't want that to happen in fifth round of the million or whatever so you just we call it buying the insurance you know you just put the good stuff in it and a lot of people run you know 176 planetary gear sets forever and They'll hold up for a while, but I've broken those too. So it's like, nah, you get the 180 gear set to get the good one, you know, and just buy it once and it's probably going to be fine for 2,500, 300, 3,000 runs, you know? So, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, when you go racing the way we are now, all these big money races, it just costs so much to go and too much on the line to have stuff that, you know, could break or might break.
0: So kind of what you just said There will play into this next question. You've won countless rounds of racing, stacked up track championships, doubled up a million dollar races in the same year. You know, what did it take for you to become such a successful bracket racer? Because that's, that's a skill that, that is not luck. That's a skill to be able to do it at that level.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it takes practice, you know, and that's practicing by going to the track when you have, you know, your local races and your points races, you know, you, you go down there and just race as much as you can, you know, and then I got a full size practice tree and I'd get in my car and suit up and practice practice tree in the garage, you know, just hit that 50 times a night or whatever and put the tree out in the driveway and put the spotlights on it and hit the tree, you know, like it's at the track, you know, you just kind of get that comfort from, you know, so you're not nervous when you're actually doing it for real. You know, you've, you've seen it from inside your car, practicing and you and i used to tell myself i'm like just like in the garage man just like in the garage and you just go up there and just hit it you know and i'm not the best on the tree i mean i i, I set up kind of 10 or 11 on the tree most of the time because my car i try to run dead on and i don't want to give myself too close to one of the red light i hate red lighting so it's like you know some people you know you can't race with the fear of red lighting but I, you know i don't know i just kind of set up some guys set up real tight and it bites a, a lot but they do win a lot of rounds, and if being a good bracket racer, you know, you're going to lose more than you win. So you got to learn how to lose. And, you know, when we used to race 38, 40 races a year and win two to five, I said, well, you got to lose 36 times, 35 times, man. So get used to, I don't care if you don't go to the lane and lose, or you red light and lose, you break out and lose. Doesn't matter how you lost, you know, it's like, that's just, you know, better odds maybe that you're going to win one coming up. You just get rid of that loss and just shake it off, you know, and, and because we all do stupid stuff in the car sometimes. And that's what I hate the most when you let go of the button for the tree lights up or you, you know, <laughs> roll five out and go full red or something. You know, you're like, you know, you knew it was gonna happen when you did it, but you know, you're trying to be a little bit aggressive or be, you know, at the time you don't think you're being aggressive, but then it comes up red and you're and then you never want to do that again. But yet you kind of need to sometimes. But you know, go through the years of racing and points racing is a different deal. And we race points around here for so long that you get stuck in the going rounds mode of just gathering points every week. You know, you really didn't care if you won every week, you just wanted to go three or four rounds every week. And that was kind of the, the way you won trips. You know, you just kind of didn't lose first round. If you can win first round every week, you're, you're guaranteed top five in points pretty much. So, you know, you look at the season as a whole and you say, well, I want to finish with this number and to get there. If I just win first round every week, I'm there with the, you know, just by looking at that over a 20 race season, but those are kind of few and far between now with, especially with the COVID thing and a lot of tracks our, our local tracks shut down Richmond, which, you know, is was a shame. That's my, my favorite place to race really, but that's no longer available to us. So we used to race 20 races a year and, and, you know, you really got, you know, a lot of practice in, you know, but now it's like, Oh, we're going to this five day race cross country and we haven't even raced since October. So you better be ready on the tree when you get there. Cause, you know, it's, it's kind of like riding a bike, but yet it's not, it's, it's, you think you're good at it, but I practice all winter. We had a practice tree league that I belong to. And, and, you know, we practice every night or every day or a few days a week. And that keeps you, you know, hitting the tree, you know, cause if not, you're just not gonna, not gonna do it. You know, you get kind of like, oh, I don't need to practice. I ain't worried about it. And then when you get to the track in March and you're just not there, you know, mentally, or you think you are, but, your numbers are all over the place and you're trying to figure out why. Well, that could be why. Because you're just not getting enough seat time anymore. You know, we used to get a lot of seat time and you could roll into a track, you know, and hit the tree pretty good. But now it's like, it's few and far between. So, and then when you go to tracks all over the country, you see different, like out in Vegas, they got the National Event Tree, which nobody else runs with the with the blue lights, the half lights. You know, the, when you stage on that for the first time, you've never seen it before. It's kind of like. Kind of interesting, you know, because you're, it's, it's just not the same as the inconsistence looking at it, you know, so, but if you have practiced a lot over the winter, you're kind of confident in yourself to hit the tree and you trust that you you go into automatic mode and you're fine. You know, you don't worry about any of the little stuff that gets into your head, you know, so a lot of practice is is really good, but seat time in the cars, nothing like that really, but.
0: Well, before we get to our next question, I got to hit up uh, our first sponsor of this broadcast, Performance Distributors. The company allows you to feel the difference, not just ignite a spark. Well, what does that mean exactly? Well, their ignition systems are designed and manufactured under the most stringent of guidelines. In fact, the owner, Steve Davis, told us their systems are designed as if they're running their vehicles, because they are. One of their products you might already know from them is their line of DUI distributors, the first and one of the best HEI distributors on the market. Their machine-calibrated timing curves provide instant throttle response and eliminate engine-damaging detonation. For those of you with late model vehicles, their Sultans of Spark ignition coils are based on the DUI technology, so they, too, can accommodate wider splug gaps for more filing voltage. Make sure you check out Performance distributors.com for all of your ignition needs. Got to hit those sponsors, right, because they keep the uh, the trains rolling. That's right.
1: That's right. I
0: like it. And, you know, kind of piggybacking off, you know, sponsors and whatnot, you know, it's interesting to see what it takes to go to these big events because, you know, you you almost have to be like a high stakes gambler to have a little bit of a a bankroll to go to these at times. You know, is that like the biggest difference between that local racing or, you know, what's kind of the difference between local racing and, and big show racing?
1: Yeah. I mean, when you go to these big money races, I mean, it's, it can be really expensive and especially when they, like last year, they had them all on top of each other because of the the way the season was going. And I mean, it was crazy money to go to those things and, you know, spending a hundred to 200, you know, on your local Saturday night race versus two to 3000 going out of town. You know, you've got to mentally, you just got to squash it. Like it's not, you didn't, you didn't spend the money. You don't, you can't worry about it. If you go there like that, very difficult to race, you know, and, and have a clear head about things when you're worried about it. Cause I've, I've done it myself. I've, I bailed out of the million in Alabama one year. Cause I just didn't feel good about the money I was spending. And I'd spent a lot of money cause I went racing the week before and the race got postponed a day and it rained. And I was like, you know what, man, I'm just going to bail. I said, just because if I lose first round, that's two plus five is 2,500. And I could just hit the road and be home this evening and have my 2500 in my pocket. And it's when you, if you hit one of those or two of those a year, then you really don't have no problem, you know, with thinking about money wise. But when you hit three or four of them in a couple of months, you're just like, man, this is, you know, not win anything. That's when it really gets on you. You know, you start wearing you down a little bit, you know, because I really didn't start doing this stuff until 2015, as far as going to the million and going to these big money races. And, you know, I was fortunate to win right off the bat, but then you know, years go by and the money gets put different places and now you're still looking at, Hey, I got to take three grand and go down here and race this race or go to Vegas. You better have four or five grand to go that one just because it's all the way across country, you know, and it's, it's a lot involved there, but you know, you just got to believe in yourself and, you know, I look at the million as being something totally different than let's say a 50 grander because, you know, the million is, is, you know, you turn on five wind lights, you're usually in the split unless somebody don't want to split. And so, I look at myself, you know. I feel like I can I can go four or five rounds any given day in my head. So I say, well, you know, hey, I can make the split. That's fifteen grand, ten grand, depending on what goes down and you know what what day can you go racing and turn on five win lights and get that kind of money without even winning the race, you know. So it's like, you know, I'm gonna take my shot, you know, at those, you know. So it, uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely a mindset. You got to be prepared for it save for it now they've had a whole lot more you know in recent years than they ever had so it's a little more difficult you know you kind of got to pick which ones you want to go to and you know i own my own business and my wife at the cabinet shop and so i can't really i'd like to go to more but i can't be gone but so much and so i always like to run the spring fling events because they're really ran well and they have a lot of prizes and it's a good time and so i kind of picked those out first to go to and then you know the other ones if i can make it i'll go but uh, typically it's hard to you know, hit them all because you're going to spend a lot of money. And if you don't uh, get down to the late round, on them, then it could be really rough on you. So, but yeah, it's definitely different than a Saturday night, you know, local race, you know, as far as, but the, but the racing itself is not any different. So, you know, people that can win at a local level can win at these races. I even say it's easier sometimes because you're racing as people, you don't know, they don't know you, you're just out there putting down laps, you know, and you're doing good. And your confidence is usually up when you go to a different place, you know, or somewhere new, you know. So when you race the same people every Saturday night, they tend to beat up on you a little bit, or you kind of get used to how people race and stuff. So it's a little bit better when you you go out of town. It seems like the ones that go out of town for the first time and never been before seem to do good. I don't know if it's beginner's luck or they just they're pumped up about going, they're confident, you know, or whatever, and they're just having a good time. and, and next thing you know, they're Down at the end of the race you know and you're like man you know you ought to do this more often but (laughs) you end up falling back into the same old stuff if you go all the time but uh you know i I think it's good for somebody to try at least once a year pick ones you want to go to and have fun with like a vacation and don't even worry about the money you're spending just because that way you'll probably come out with something you know a good good prize of some sort
0: so I was on the going bracket racing podcast last week with those guys. And, you know, we were talking about the race in Vegas and, you know, I admittedly, I don't, I'm not like into the hardcore minute details of the, you know, the big money bracket racing scene. I know a couple of big names, you know, like you and a few other guys. And we were joking, you know, I'm going to hopefully have one of my cars ready to go race this year. And I was like, I'm going to go to one of these events. Never been, just maybe it'll be good because I literally won't know if there's a giant great white shark lining up next to me. Like, Oh, look, that's a really nice Camaro having no idea. It's some guy that's probably about to rip my soul out. So for someone that's about to embark on their first big money bracket race this year, what, what challenges am I going to be looking at? What do I need to prepare myself for before I just fork over a pile of money and, you know, get taken to the cleaners, like a bad gambler.
1: (laughs) Well, the, the thing that a lot of people don't think about, and I even forget about it sometimes, is the time between rounds. You know, it's like four or five hours between every run you make, you know, until later in the race. So that's where you kind of got to, you know, stay awake, you know, walk around a little bit, you know, don't fall asleep, because it seems like <laughs> that's one of the worst things you can do in between rounds, because it just seems to put you into a frame of mind or whatever. But, it, uh, you know, there's a lot of time between rounds, but a lot of, you know, a lot of talking to friends and and comparing notes or whatever and figuring out if the tree is you know delay numbers like back home or whatever or you know different things. But I mean, if you if you want to do it, you know what I'm saying if anybody wants to do it, they got to try. It. I mean it's it's something that's you know you never know when it's your day. Uh, you know you got you got to you got to go all in when you do it though. Don't don't bail out and not buy back. You know, if you lose first round and get discouraged, you know, if if you're confident in yourself in your car, if your car is running the number or if it's capable of doing that and you're just missing the tree a little bit or you're, you know, whatever reason, just you can't give up and like, I'm not going to buy back, you know, after you lose first round or like even this past week, you know, in Vegas on the Saturday, I was thinking because I lost first round and I was like, well, you know, I could load this thing up and be, in New Mexico and, and, and get my trip started, you know, 500 miles down the night, if I go ahead and just load up and leave, you know, on Saturday night. But then I said, no, nah, I told myself I'll run Saturday night. Cause it's a, it's a way to maybe make up for the week of not winning anything. And, and you never know when you could do it. Well, you know, 10 rounds later, I'm in the final and got a nice split, you know, and, and made up for the whole deal, you know, and it's like if I bailed out and, and put my car on the trailer, I would have never had the opportunity to get that. So when you go to those races, you just say, look at this much money and this is what I'm taking. I'm willing to lose it if I lose it. And, you know, you're just going to go in there and the, the people you think are sharks. I mean, hey, I'm 32 in the final last week. You know, the round before a, a really, really talented racer was 45 on me. So, you know, you, you never know. I mean, you know, he came off a 001 light when 45. Well, I came off a really good string of lights and then had a 32 in the final. Any light I had the previous 10 rounds that day would have, would have won the race and because the other guy was 18 in the final. All I need to do is be 17 or better. And I'm 32. So I'm out. But I'm, you know, if you look at that, like, you never know when it's your day, you know, you just, you gotta, you gotta buy back, you gotta go all in on it and just make sure your stuff is prepared. You know, you don't want to go down of the car that's leaking oil and, you know, old slicks and, you know, worn out stuff, you know, because you got to give yourself the opportunity, you know, you can't just Go out there and have problems and and it could be your shot to win it, but you, you know, had something wrong that you could easily fix back home or or whatever. You know, so the best thing to do is have your stuff ready and and financially, you know, make sure you can go, but don't cut yourself short. You know, it's like every day if you because first round's usually the toughest round. So it's like the most nerve-wracking or whatever it is. And You've got five hours in between your time run most time you don't even get a time run at these big races so you know it's been the day before when you made your last run so you you know the odds are well somebody's losing first round out of the pair so if it's you you got to just buy back just I like to go up there and immediately just buy back in I'm like you know it's done you hate to spend the money but you got to do it get back in it and I've had I've won more from the buyback round than I have from not buying back so it's um like I said, you got to give yourself a shot, you know.
0: It's interesting what you said about the first round. I know what I've gone out bracket racing that usually I find just for me personally, if I can get past the first round, I'm going to win at least two more. It's a confidence right. thing. You get up and you mix in a little bit of luck and it really helps. You know, you, you, you sneak one out, you catch someone sleeping on the tree in the next round, you're walking into the third round and. You're feeling good. You got a big Superman S on your chest. And I think that's what makes bracket racing interesting is that it's a lot more of a mental game. It's like golf. It's not the physical yeah. aspect. It's the mental side of the racing.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I always care golf. You know, a lot of things about it that are similar, but, uh, but yeah, no, definitely. you know, confidence. I mean, when you go out there and you string together a couple good lights and cars run around on the money, it, uh, it's nothing like that. That's what you want to happen. And for some reason, (laughs) a lot of the time it doesn't happen. You know, you're, you're not hitting the tree that day or the car is doing something weird and you're like, man, what is going on? But then when it starts clicking and you're like, man, you know, you can dial it right on the money and you're you're hitting the tree like you want to. That's the main thing I always say. I just want to, you know, basically put on a good show. Like I want, I want to do good. I don't care if I win or not. I just don't want to, nothing stupid, you know, because I've done that plenty of times. Like I say, many, many times come off the tree before it even lit up. You know, we're leaving off the top bulb, you know, with the delay box and the tree's a little long coming on and you you just you meet it coming on or you come off before the thing even lights up and you just like totally threw away a race that you maybe could have won, you know, and you just beat yourself up for that. And the next round you're trying to hold on to the button so you don't do that again. Well then that makes you late. And so those days are just awful to try to get your mind off of it and and get back to racing like you know how to do and that's what i did last saturday was just came right out the gate hitting the tree good and didn't have any issues with letting go and everything was cool and when it's like that yeah when you get the third or fourth round you know it feels great when you're uh when you're on you know because you you definitely feel like somebody's about to beat you you know you're probably not gonna lose it yourself so yeah, it's definitely a lot better race day when that's going on
0: (laughs) You got to have a really short memory, bracket racing. Dan Fletcher talked about yep. that. We had him on the show. He's like, you know what? I just, it got to the point where he goes, I just, whatever happens, happens. I'm going to go out there, do my deal, push the tree. I red light, you know what? I'd rather die on my shield than, you know, die on my knees kind of deal.
1: Right. Oh, yeah. That's definitely what you got to do, really. I mean, you know, if, you know, you got to go after the tree, you can't be scared of it or, or worried about it, you know, whatever it is, it is. And, and like you said, if you forget about that last run, because when you sleep on it and it comes back the next day and you're still thinking about it, it's awful. So you got to just let it go. You know, whatever happens, let it roll off your back. Just it's done. And whether it's some guy in front of you sprayed something on the track and you spin, you know, after your car has been deadly all day and you you get in something or out of the groove, it's nighttime for the first time and you, you know, not lined up right or whatever. And, you know, but kind of like, forget it. You know, it, that's over with. Like I said, it's one of your losses, you know, it's like, Hey, it's one of my losses. So just whatever happens, happens so just keep on getting it, you know? So yeah, it's definitely a short-term memory is a good way to put it. I like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, it's something I've noticed when, you know, we did a lot of heads up racing. It's different there because we, we didn't have buybacks. You, you didn't turn on the wind light, you're packing up and going home. And you just, you look at what happened and you, you know, you take it a shot. You're like, well, we, we learned something here let's try to not do that again or let's try to do something better and head on down the road.
1: Okay. No, that's yeah. We don't have much of that. It's buybacks. are usually, you know, sometimes when they don't have buybacks, I'm kind of like, well, good. That way the race will be over with quicker. You know, if, if you do good, then, you know, it takes a round out of the race typically. So it's, uh, it's good to, to have that sometimes, you know, but when you don't get a time run, everybody wants that buyback. Cause you know, the first round is kind of like a time run for everybody. So,
0: Well, it it buybacks sometimes when they don't have them, uh, you know, on the heads up racing side of things, we don't complain because we've been to an event before when they announced that there were going to be buybacks and we were already hours, hours behind schedule. And they open up the buyback line. We're like, (laughs) we looked at each other. We looked at our watches. We're like, seriously, is anybody else paying attention to what's going on here? And, you know, I, I get it. You know, you got, you got to keep, keep the keep the cash flow coming but sometimes it's like man we don't want to be here till four in the morning
1: yeah i've definitely happened a couple of times we're like really you know but i understand it from their end you know but it definitely makes for a long night or a long race if they you know if it's already eight o'clock or something and they got buybacks with 400 cars there you're like you gotta be kidding me right but but yeah i get it
0: no, and, <laughs> and the thing is is it's it's smart on buybacks are the greatest invention ever on a track person's deal because it's like you are selling the drugs that the addicts need and they, oh, yeah. they're just like, shut up and take my money.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Especially when you have first and second round buybacks and they allow you to double enter. Well, then you really get to spending a lot of money. Cause I've done that before. And it's like, wow, you know, you win with one, but you lose with the other one, but you get back in. So you're in and then, you know, you get to, I think I got to the seventh round and won like 200 bucks. And I'd spent, I don't know how much to get to that point, you know, buying back and stuff. So yeah, it's a little rough. I,
0: I was in the tower talking to a track person doing an interview and the buyback line was forming and it dawned on me really quick. I could put together an awesome story without writing a word. All it would be is just a camera mounted and it'd be like a confessional hearing Buy back excuses. <laughs> right.
1: That would be good. That would be good.
0: <laughs> I mean, just like the, the reactions and like, just like, I remember this one guy walked in, literally just threw his money down and said, grumbled something and walked off. I'm like, oh, that's, someone had a bad day there. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: You definitely hate when you lose first round, but, you know, the way I look at first round is when you buy back, you, you're, there's one less round you have to go now. You, you've already towed there, so you don't have to tow there to get there for for this new race you're now entering into again. And you've had a time run now, so the buyback is like you just start a whole new race over again. And now you've had a time shot. It's less rounds to complete it now, and you're already there, so you might do it and pretend like it's a whole new race all over again. You know, so um, but yeah, I, I, at the fifty grander at Galat in 2018, I was you know it was 260 to buy back, and I'm just walking around just all ticked off because I want the gas one time and gave it back like a couple thousand at the finish line. And if I just held foot in, I win, you know, and I'm just like, man, you know, I ain't buying back, you know, I ain't buying back. And I'm walking around this guy. I know he comes up. He's like, hey, you never know, Verdi, it might be your day, you know, and sure enough, I'm in the final, you know, rounds later and get nice check at the end of the night, you know, and I'm just like, wow, I wasn't even going to buy back, you know, but yeah, I, I get it. You know, that 260 that you spend could turn into thousands. So you, you got to do it. You know, I hate doing it, but you know, you got to do it. But, yeah,
0: What makes racing fun sometimes are things like superchargers and a company that makes some of these superchargers. So i pro charger. For 25 years, ProCharger has been the industry-leading aftermarket supercharger manufacturer by designing, engineering, and building the most powerful, reliable, advanced centrifugal superchargers on the market. No matter if you're looking for 3,500 horsepower for a record-setting ProMod or a DIY system for your streetcar, truck, or motorcycle, ProCharger has the perfect supercharger system for you. For more information on amazing ways you can bolt on 50, 60, 70, or even 100% more power or more, visit ProCharger.com. Hitting those sponsor spots, and it, it that one will segue nicely because it's interesting to see in top dragster and top sportsman. You're not seeing as much as, like, in bracket racing per se, but in those classes you're seeing a lot more power adders at those higher levels. Is there a reason why you don't think you see a lot more of that in just your regular bracket racing or why guys just use nitrous? I think it's –
1: mainly because of the starting line, you know, with a, with a blower, like a lot of guys run the little small blowers now and, and it's picking the cars up where they don't have to redo the motor completely. They just can put this, you know, small supercharger on there and uh, it picks them up half a second, but it's still really aggressive off starting line versus nitrous. will say you're going to spray after you get going a little bit, or it's just a little different, like especially the ones that mount down the crank, you know, those kind of in you know, top dragster and some of the top sportsmen. I mean, those are really aggressive, you know, as far as off the line. So you don't, you know, our bracket cars, you'll see us some 440 dragsters, you know, 430 dragsters, but, you know, when you get down there, I mean that's that's running in the sixes and a quarter mile. So, you know, that's kind of pushing it for a regular bracket racing track. Now most of the time these big races, they treat the track really well and it's they'll hook up, you know, in the in the early going, but what about 300 feet out when that thing getting the tires stood up and it switches the high gear and that thing's putting down a couple thousand horsepower, man. It's like, well, it better be good out there. And when you're running late into the night, you know, some of these races go into midnight or later and the dew's falling and the different things are happening. You know, you can't take a chance on having something with that kind of power where the nitrous you can use at the finish line is catch up or fool your opponent or whatever, but it's not a constant power like those blowers do, you know, the, you're just asking a lot. I've seen a lot of guys go to these things recently in the last few years and they're pulling 20 degrees of timing out off the starting line. They're they're trying to do things to get it down the track because it's just a little too aggressive. You know, it's just it makes so much power. And most of them on alcohol anyway. And that seems to make a lot of torque and makes a lot of power. So you really gotta be, you know, kind of careful when you, you know, because you know, most of the time these tracks well, when you go to somewhere like Galat or or even, you know, most of them now have the, the equipment to keep it, you know, nice on the surface, but like out in Vegas, I mean, they were got an awesome track crew, but the wind was blowing 50 miles an hour and you had just, you know, stuff to deal with. And if you have a car that makes tons of power and you're out there in the middle of the track where the wind has blown dust or whatever all around, you got to be careful with that kind of stuff. So I don't think you see a whole lot of that uh, except for, you know, particular classes, like you say, top sportsman, top dragster, because those fields are, you know, not 500 cars in them and running all throughout the night and everything. So, um, but yeah, I, I think nitrous is a good thing to have. I don't have it on, on my Firebird, but I used to have it on there. and A lot of guys like to run that stuff. But blower-wise, you don't see a whole lot of that in brackets
0: that's an interesting take on it with, you know, the track conditions and the, the longer running deals because top sports and a top dragster. I love watching that. That is like ridiculously fast. and it, it, the, the level of accuracy they have playing the stripe at 200 miles an hour is mind blowing, but yeah, I could see where, you know, on, on your typical Saturday night show, you know, dragging out a, a six second door car might not be uh, the best tactical decision.
1: Yeah yeah i think it'd be you know plus you you know the groove can be hard to see at night you know different things with you know like i said dew falling and fog or whatever you know it, it, it could be tough to try to you know a car that's got to be on the perfect you know starting line situation to work you know you may not get that just for whatever reason you know when you're running a race all the way into the night and all that stuff so you know that's not my cup of tea anyway i want to make sure i got something that'll go down every time and i don't have to worry about it if i get out of the groove a little bit if it's going to be you know wadded up or or get you know who knows what could happen if it gets out of the groove a little bit you know my car you know hopefully will always be fine but you know i don't have too much of a trouble with it ever it's not that fast but you know a guy with a blower when the when the power's coming in and then the car changes the second gear if that transmission hits really hard well, they could break the tires loose because all that power, you know, out there in the middle of the track. And, you know, it, it'd be really difficult to try to win bracket races that we run with a setup like that on a consistent basis. The dragsters can do it a little easier than the door cars, I guess, because it's, you know, a little different setup, you know, the way a dragster works versus a door car with the motor up front and all that. So, but uh, yeah, you definitely, definitely want something that's, you know, a little more underpowered than, and overpowered in bracket racing.
0: You know, going off of that, you know, where do you think bracket racing's going overall? Do you, do you think there's too many big money races? Do you think the local tracks need to make a comeback? You know, what, what are you seeing out there?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, you know, with the last couple of years anyway, it's been rough on on the local scene. You know, everything's been shut down and all, and it's kind of given way to the, the bigger money races to be where you want to go or the only place you can race, really. But before that went down, I mean, it was, you know, local racing, you know, definitely want to see more of it, but it's just, it depends on everybody. So, you know, built these cars that it cost so much money and they, they're like, oh, I'm not taking my car out for under five grand to win, you know, or something like that. And it's like, well, no, nah, man, you know, a regular local race like that of Virginia Motorsports Park, you're paying 2,500 to win on a regular points race, which is great. I mean, that used to be 1,200, you know, a thousand about as much as you're going to get. And now they bump that up, and if you get over eighty cars, going to bump it up even more. So, you can find a local track that's, that you like to race at and you know, definitely should go there. The big money stuff, and you know, there's a lot of promoters out there that, you know, there's there's only but so many weekends in a year, and they trying to work around each other, and and you know, decide the you know, country the other side or down south or whatever, and then of course the weather comes into play. So it's like, I don't know. I mean. I ain't gonna say that there's too many of them because there's an opportunity for whoever wants to go can go. You know, you don't have to go, but it it makes you want to go. You know, some of these, especially the million dollar races. I mean, that's just like, wow. You know, you feel like you need to go. You know, but it uh, it's not everybody's cup of tea. You know, it's like they may not want to get involved with with trying to race those kind of events because you know, if you really face it, is that at the end of the week there's four winners and there's 500 cars there. So there's, you know, a whole lot of people that didn't win. So, you know, some people will bail out and not want to go to the, that kind of stuff, you know, just for financial reasons or, or, you know, if you go to one two weeks prior, you know, you really kind of worn out after the, the second one you go to for sitting around all day, every day and, and stuff like that. So it's hard to say, it seemed like they're not slowing down and it seems like they get plenty of cars at them, you know, Um uh, so, I mean, hey, if they can, if they can keep it going, that's good. You know, it could be a, a fad that goes on for a few more years and then kind of fizzles out a little bit when these older people, I ain't gonna say I'm old, but you know, I'm, I'm not young anymore. So it, uh, it gets a little tiring after, you know, a week or two doing it, you know, and being away from home and all that. So it just depends. I mean, I, I think it's a place for it, but I really think there's a place for local racing, you know, need to need to keep that going for sure.
0: Going off of that, you know, what, what are some of your favorite favorite events to attend and why, you know, is it just, you know, any of, these, some of these big races in particular, or, you know, what, what are the ones you got circled on your calendar? Like, all right, I, I got to hit this.
1: Definitely the spring fling million, uh, the original million, which was in Alabama. Now it's going to be at South Georgia this year. Um, those two, I definitely, my wife even tells me, Hey, you're going to those period because I want Yes, that's why she wants me to go to them again. But it, uh, those two I'm definitely going to. I like the World Foot Break Challenge that, that Jared puts on at Bristol. It's always hot, but it's it's a fun race to go to and, and go off the bottom bulb. You know, I like to do that a little more often than I'm doing it, really. But uh, I like that one if I can get to it. But it's usually on my son's birthdays on the same weekend a lot of time. you know, the way they have it. So uh, sometimes that's not feasible. But, you know, typically – Fling races. I really like going to those. And, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually going to a mutton Jeff race up in Pennsylvania at Beaver Springs drag. We have never been there before. Uh, that's in June, I think. And I'm looking forward to that. But, uh, typically, like I said, the fling races, the million dollar races, uh, try to go to those. Anything else it's really work related as far as if I can get off work or if I got, you know, my jobs done, I need to get done and, and can, can make it to them, I'll, I'll go to some other ones. But uh, if not, I'll go to Virginia Morris Sports Park. It's only an hour from my house, and they got some great races this year. You know, all year this year, they're really stepping up their schedule big time, and uh, they got some nice nice races. Too. So I'm looking forward to some of those.
0: So switching gears here, I want to talk about the the drag racing equivalent of Fight Club, the thing you don't talk about but exists, the split. The, the the mythical split that happens not just in bracket racing but in grudge racing and in other stuff. There's there's that's one of the big things in grudge racing. You don't talk about pots. That's just like you you don't talk about final monies. What right. is proper split etiquette? You know when can you expect to be in a split? Like how's this how's this work? Like I, I hear about the split, but I, I like there's no guide. There's no user like user function. Like like what what do I expect? How do I make it work?
1: Well, typically, you know, the promoters now, of course, at, at certain events, the, the promoters are racers and they know that, you know, the flyer is what it is. And some people want to race for the flyer, you know, they're not going to split it all, you know, and I've, I've done that once in my life. I said, I'm not going to split anything before I left home. I wasn't planning on racing that day. And I, well, if I go down, I'm going to split and I ended up getting down to four cars. I didn't split. I went home with 250 bucks and the other guys you know, split 5,000 in the final. So I could have got a little more that day, but I chose not to. And that uh, that'll never happen again, really, because it didn't work out for me. But in, in regards to the split, I mean, typically you look at, you know, how many cars are left, usually when it gets down to about nine or, you know, somewhere in that range, you know, you can kind of see how it's going and, and, you know, you know, I'll just use Vegas as a, as an example from last week, you know, it, I believe six round, and if you lost, you got six hundred dollars. So you look at it like, well, you did good today. You raced all day. You raced all week, and it's six hundred dollars. I'd really like to get a thousand right here. You know, it'd be cool to if they bump. You know, it's gonna be four losers, so that's only sixteen hundred dollars that they could take off the thirty thousand to win and make us all get a thousand bucks right here. That'd be pretty cool. You know, at least you get a thousand, and you know that actually is what happened. So that worked out good, and then you kind of look at the the rest of the money and you say well you know if we do a thousand this round maybe we can do two thousand next round and you know on paper that next round was only going to pay a thousand but now we're gonna make it two and you kind of work it all the way through the whole race because buy runs come into play and you say okay well there's gonna be a buy run every round and if you don't if you don't do it all now somebody's gonna say well i'm not doing anything because i got to buy you know that's happened before and that's that's okay and there's nothing wrong with racing for what the flyer says i mean you came there to do that and and that's fine it just tends to be when you see these guys at the next race or the next race or the next race and a lot of guys go rounds at these things all the time so they're playing the odds that they're going to win one of these things so they don't want to cut the money up and and be their night to win and they gave away brand grand or whatever so some of them don't want to split that much i don't like to split the whole thing up, like some people get down to four cars and say, "Well, let's just split it four ways and and race for the check or the trophy or whatever." You know, they don't want to. You know, I don't like doing that. I think the winner should get you know more and winner up and, and on down the line. So, you know, at a thirty thousand dollars to win race with five thousand per second, when it comes down to you know about eight or ten cars left, you got about forty something thousand dollars to work with and you can kind of talk amongst yourselves and the promoter will come down with a piece of paper and he'll go over different scenarios and you can agree or not agree. And if one person doesn't agree, then say, okay, well, that's when I'd make a deal with you. If I ran you that round, I'd say, okay, well, nobody wants to split, but Hey, if if one of us gets to the final, we'll kick the other one back a grand or, or 500 bucks or something, you know, and that way we're not bothering the purse. We're just doing it amongst ourselves. And hopefully one of us will go on and get to the end and we'll kick back that money, you know, and, and that, that makes it worthwhile because if you're spending a thousand bucks on entry fees and you get down to the late rounds, you want to try to at least get that back, you know, or something to make you feel a little better about your trip, you know? So it, uh, but the splits are usually everybody's on the same page. Everybody wants to do a little something. And, and a lot of times you'll get like half the field left or people that do it all the time. And there's a few of them in there have never been that far before. And they're just super happy to be there. And, and yeah, I've done this long enough now that, that I, I like to see them, have a nice night you know i like to say well you know hey you know that'd be cool for them to have a good experience you know it's like when i lost in the final the other night i mean i did it to myself i'm 32 on the tree well i was happy that kyle was won. i said you know he he got to experience that win with the jacket and the trophy and all that stuff and he gets to keep that forever you know the money will spend you know whatever but you you like to see you know what I've experienced, you see somebody else's experience, you can enjoy it for them. Yes, at least that's the way I feel about it, win or lose. Cause I've like I said, I've I've learned how to lose over the years and it's like, hey, I can deal with it, you know. And and as far as the splits go, people get kind of carried away and say, Oh, I'm not splitting nothing, I'm not doing anything. But you know, that gets kind of usually it gets gets them out of the race in that round or the next round <laughs> a lot of the time because you know, the person that they're running gets a little more amped up. And if they swing for the fence on them and and hit it, then they're going to take them out. And then we got more more money to split. And now because he didn't want to split that round. So it, uh, it, it's pretty, pretty casual. Most of the time, pretty easy going. Most people are all on the same page, you know, on stuff like that. It depends on how much it is too. The million is like, Oh, we got 14 of you left with $465,000. You know, that's, that's a whole different world than having 14 left with 50 grand, you know? So, it's a it's a whole different, you know, when you get to that moment, you're like you're into another another world somewhere. When you hear those kind of numbers, you know, in a regular bracket race, you know, because that's that's big money.
0: First, I want to compliment you on your attitude, because that's an awesome attitude to have the one to pay for it on that experience. The next point I want to make is. This is why bracket racers are smarter than heads up racers because you take that money and you figure out, hey, let's spread this out a little bit more. Because we're over here beating our heads in just the race for that big check, you know, the race what's on the flyer. And you guys are like, Well, we could take 10 of us and make our money back plus a little extra. Let's do that. That that's brilliant. Not can't follow that logic.
1: That's cool. Yeah, no, it's that's you know it just makes sense to me, you know, it's like, you know, the flyer is what gets you there. You look at that, you know, the top prize and, and that's what you want to win, you know, but typically, you know, you're, you know, you're not even worried about that. Once the race gets clicking along and you're down to, you know, 10 cars left, you really, you're, you're looking at that, but you're also just looking at what's left and, and you know, you know, you come out with something and that, that makes you feel good. You know, it's like, if you win it, that's cool. But like me, we're getting runner up the other day runner up was going to pay five on the flyer. Well, I got 12 and the winner got 16, five instead of 30. So, you know, but, but, but everybody else down the line got a lot more than, you know, what the flyer said. So to come away with, you know, that kind of money, it's just, you know, win or lose, you, you know, you, you're happy about it. You know, you're like, all right, well, we're good. You know, come back to Virginia with some money. So
0: even at that point, just, you Oh, you didn't win 30. You only won 16,000. Well, guess what? That paid for that trip. And then that bankrolls you for however many more races you want to do this year.
1: Right. Right. And if you didn't and you didn't do anything and and the winner got 30 and I got five, well, that would have been okay, but that would have basically broke you even for the week, you know, versus, you know, making you really smile on the way home. They tell you, I got, you know, a lot more than that. So, you know, it's, it's a good way to make, you know, let's say 10 or 12 people happy, Versus just one guy being happy. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, we're all there to race. We're all, you know, hopefully going to meet each other again in those late rounds. And, and, uh, that's that's the way I look at it. Just
0: you know, doing all right. Well, Jeff, I have one last question before we wrap things up here. I have a magical checkbook that nobody else knows about just me and you, and I'm going to open it up to you and you can race any class you want other than a bracket race what class would you want to race and what event would you want to win? Doesn't matter what kind of racing it is. You can go buy the best equipment to go race top fuel if you want. What class would you want to race and what event would you want to hold the Wally in? Oh, uh,
1: shoot, man. I don't know. I'd love to do pro stock, but I don't know if I could shift them gears. Like I see those in-car cameras on those people. I'm used to the air shifter shifting one gear all these years. I think I'd be in a world of hurt with that, but uh, I'm thinking stock you know, would probably be the best thing for me to race. And, and of course, Indy, everybody wants to win Indy. And, and, uh, I think that'd probably be, you know, what, what I would probably do. Um, you know, if I did top sportsman stuff, it'd be kind of like having a pro stock car with a power glide. I, I'd probably enjoy, it. but, uh, but yeah, no, my favorite class really is pro stock and, 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 and watching those guys and, and girls shift gears. I mean, it's like, man, that's just something else, you know, to, to be moving that quickly. You know, running six fifties or whatever in the quarter, and they're and they're shifting gears like that, and, and doing all the stuff they do on the starting line. You know, it's just if I could get that down, it'd be that would be something. You know, to to be at a race class like that.
0: I'd like to be able to just launch a pro stock car and not wad the car up or tear it up because that in amongst itself, that that's not easy. Dropping the clutch and making that thing behave.
1: Oh yeah, that that's just wild. I, I imagine. You know, like like my car on a really good day when it's 60 foot and it kind of gives me a little twinge in my lower back. I'm like, man, that was only like 126, 60 foot, you know, and, and they're like, you know, sub one second or whatever they do. And it's like, man, it's got to feel just incredible when they leave, you know, and then shift gears, you know, over and over again. So that's definitely got to be a ride, you know.
0: Or, you're, or you could do it in a radio car and run a sub nine second 60 foot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those guys. On, on the back tires
1: yeah that's amazing those guys i watched ron roach run up in maryland one time and and there was a few there was like three of them up there running four 40s four 30, i think it was four four forties that day no wheelie bars small tires and you just watch them go down the track and you just can't believe that it's moving that quickly without getting on you know standing on the bumper or doing anything weird i'm like how do they even do that you know i mean those cars are just amazing to watch it's just incredible they can run what they run you know but um those guys running what three fifties or three sixty small tire and I mean, that's incredible stuff there. But uh, it would be that would be fun actually. But I don't know, that's a little quick.
0: <laughs> Ron Rhodes is a bad man. He went an eight something sixty foot in a small block nitrous car this weekend, yeah. and he did that's- It he didn't have to put a rack in that bitch either the whole weekend.
1: That is wild, man that that i saw him like i said at maryland looks like you drive it to the store you know i'm looking at the thing like i can't believe that thing runs that fast you know it's just amazing i mean they definitely got that stuff together on that
0: and it's still on leaf springs too
1: wow that's incredible (laughs) yeah that's too cool that's one of my favorite cars those those cars just you know his setup is just just incredible
0: well, Jeff, our time here is coming to an end and I like to give my guests their opportunity to uh, impersonate their channel, their inner John Force and thank all their sponsors and thank who they need people to thank. You don't have to fully impersonate, John. That's up to you. Some people have done it. I had to do it last weekend. So it's up to you to thank who you want to thank. Tell people where they can find you at, what you got going on. So the floor is yours, my friend. All right,
1: I appreciate it. And thank you for the interview. I really appreciate the time and uh, definitely want to thank uh, Jerry Lone, my engine man, he builds my engine transmissions, uh, junior Carter outlaw Motorsports. He helps me with my car, the chassis and everything. Uh, who's tire. They helped me out with tires. Uh, Crower cams, uh, help me out. Um, my buddy, Rocky Pender Valley worked on my car all winter. He, uh, did a lot of work for me. I appreciate that. Of course, I got to thank my wife, letting me go racing and do what I do. And, and the guys in the shop that, uh, that get the work done so I can go play around and, And, uh, you know, other than that, um, I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, but definitely didn't want to forget my wife. That's the most important. So got that taken care of, but, uh, but yeah, now um, definitely I'm a blessed man to be able to go racing and, and get a little help from, from some some good folks. And, uh, you know, I, I never seem to have, uh, you know, anything I can't handle because my friends will help me out. So it's, uh, it's all good, you know?
0: Well, before we sign off here, I've got to thank our sponsors of this broadcast, AFR, Liquid Molly, Pro Charger, Performance Distributors. Stick a pick in this one. It's done. Jeff, thank you so much for joining this week, and uh, hopefully I'll see you at one of the races this year. All
1: right, man. Appreciate it. Thank you.